To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Oh, I got a brand new podcast for you. Um, back in the States, back here taking care of things just with renewed vigor. Uh, so nice to get away. God, it just resets your brain. But uh, yeah, back at it here. Got some quality recordings, including uh, this one coming up today that I really enjoyed. Um, so this is Logan Peasley. Uh, Logan lives in BC. Uh, he operates a, a, an outfitting business, Peasley Hunts. Um, does a bunch of different hunts and we talk about it in the podcast, uh, some of the different stuff he does, but yeah, just a, a great engaging conversation with a like-minded hunter. So, um, we talk about it a little bit in the podcast, but, uh, how we got hooked up with Logan is he was, a uh, Ike and guys, uh, guide on their, um, hunt up in the Northwest territories for caribou and for sheep. And uh, he was just a ride up there and a source of entertainment for all those guys up there. They really enjoyed hanging out with him. Uh, so that's how I got connected with him, and, and now we have him on the podcast. So I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, it it's just a great back and forth. Sponsor for today's show is Six Hour Optics. Uh, so impressed with Sig Sauer and their their optics that they're coming out with. So um, I really like their binoculars. Um, their spotting scope, they're coming out with a new spotting scope. So I know I've been pushing it. Uh, their one that they did have uh, has been discontinued, but they're going to come out with a new one. But where they really have the edge on the market is their rangefinders. Uh, their their rangefinders, um, uh, I think they're the best out there. They just got good optics. They'll shoot through grass, powerful laser, consistent readings. Uh, they'll do incline and decline uh, and figure it out for you. And then the things they can do with a rifle in their app is just amazing. Uh, but great for bow and arrow too. Uh, their new product that I have fallen in love with. So their range finding binoculars just showed up at my house here right as I got back. So I've been using them bear hunting. Um, these things are off the hook. Their optics are, their clarity is so good in them. Color fidelity. Uh, they're just a great pair of optics just to look through. And then to have the range finders in them. I've never used a pair of range finding binoculars, but I'm super excited to just have like like one unit that'll do it all. Um, I think you can be more precise on your ranging because you've got that 10 power binocular. Um, it seems to be right on the mark where they have the mark of those things. But um, I think these things are going to catch fire in the industry. This is a great pair of binoculars. They do incline and decline, uh, great ranges, powerful laser. I think I could range my sister's house, which is like 2,300 yards away, which is a little bit further than I'll shoot my bow. But it, it's just that powerful laser, even for a bow hunter, comes in handy because then you, you're you able to get readings through grass and through brush and things, and it, it receives it and gets it back. So uh, just great, those range-finding binoculars. So make sure to check those out if you're in the market for a new pair. Uh, and thanks to Six Hour for sponsoring the podcast. Um, over there at Eastman's, we've been busy. Um, gosh, we're, we're, um, I'm waiting for this, this new issue to show up on my doorstep. Just got some, some, um, great articles in it. Sean Morgan's buck is on there on the cover. Uh, going to try to get Sean here on the podcast coming up 
and um, another story, a bunch of really good stories in there. Uh, in fact, I'm going to do a podcast with a guy that has a story in there tonight and uh, get that recorded. Um, I've I've got a an article in there. I'm just super proud about. Like it's it's just um, it's kind of like the outside the box, the intangibles of what makes a successful hunter. And um, you know, through the podcast, I just get a chance to talk to all these guys that have next level success and try to kind of compile that information and put down on paper what is really important. Um, you know, to to have that consistent success, especially on public land, because it's it's one of the toughest things out there. It's one of the toughest things I've found um, and and it takes constant work and and uh, constant thinking about it dedication discipline and so I put that all in an article I'm really proud how it came out so make sure to check that out uh, if you don't have a subscription to Eastman's um, it's a uh, such a great resource for our, us Western hunters like like I really enjoy the magazines I enjoy every month when they show up um, but the the, the subscriber um, articles are so good. They get me fired up and put me in that place. Like I read one and then it's like I want to go do that hunt or, or hunt that spot or, um, you know, I look at the country and the terrain and the photos. And so um, I've always really enjoyed that. I love the staff articles. We pour our heart and soul into these articles, and uh, we don't hold back any information. I try to share, you know, absolutely everything that helps me be successful. And uh, then the MRS section um, is just awesome. The MRS just compiles all the information from all these different states. Uh, so you can make an educated decision about a unit that you want to hunt or a state you want to hunt, a species. Um, it, it's just such a great resource. I use it all the time. So um, you can still get a subscription with that deal. And I sure appreciate you guys that have got a subscription on this deal where you, you text See what do you text? You text um, elevated three one nine to two two eight two eight. Again, text elevated three one nine to two two eight two eight. And um, yeah, we've had um, a bunch of guys that have that have picked up subscriptions through that deal. It's uh, twenty nine ninety nine. Gets you both magazines and then gets you the free MRS book uh, with all the two thousand eighteen information in it. Um, so just such a great resource for hunters. Make sure to check that out. I heard that my Nevada hunt came out on the Outdoor Channel. Um, my DVR is ridiculous, so my DVR is not recording Eastman's anymore. So I haven't even seen the episode, but I'm really excited to see it. So I'm going to send my video gala message today and see if I can um, get a link or, or view it somehow. But I heard that is out on the Outdoor Channel, so hopefully some of you guys um, saw it and and uh, hopefully you guys like it. I'm really, I'm really proud at that that hunt and how it all came together. So I can't wait to see how the the all the footage is compiled. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. And um, gosh, let's get this thing rolling. So yeah, just an authentic conversation between me and Logan Peasley, um, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, we're. Uh... We were doing a little drywall today, plus we were pouring concrete, and then my, the last minute we came in and did this, so there we go, man. Oh, thanks for taking a break. Yeah, um, drywall, well, that means you're getting close. You're starting to, <laughs> to to find the other side of things. I wish, buddy. That's uh, That was my for my father-in-law to get his his uh, first shop. My house, we just poured concrete for the footings today. <laughs> okay, just getting started then. Yeah, we're just getting rolling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got a... 
went and bought a skid steer to do the project, right? Like just to do all the backfilling and, you know, a little five acres, you need one, right? Almost. Yes. So I've been busy with putting that little machine to work, trying to backfill all these ditches and you know the drill. <laughs> I do, but well, good for you. You got the foundation in and the plans done and everything approved, so you're on your way. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we're rolling. We got uh, we got the construction company there, but it's good. We're we're I'm almost not stressed totally free on it, but uh, we're we're de-stressing because now it's in their hands. I don't go out. I I did do all the prep work, right? Okay. Make and provide machinery and do all that. So now it's now it's more hands-on from them, and I can disappear. Good. Pressure's off. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm thinking about doing another one here. I'm a contractor by trade. And so, yeah, that's the only way you get ahead is just by building these things and selling them and kind of life of a gypsy, you know? So I, I can do it like every two years, but that ends up being about every four years by the time I forget all the pain and misery that came from the last one. Oh, I know it. Right. That's that. And that's the truth. Like I, I built my first house and it took me probably two to three years to totally complete it. Right. And we're doing it again. <laughs> it's it's, right. it's kind of like hunting, right? Where you uh, you forget all the bad times and you just remember the good times. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think um, we're wired, uh, our DNA, we're wired that way to kind of forget the bad or hell, we'd never go anywhere. <laughs> I know it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Meanwhile, your hair turned gray and you just had seven <laughs> minor heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. Um, well, we'll get right into it and get a recording started. Yeah, um, sites you're going to be on. Yeah, I, I heard about you from um, Guy and Ike. So you were their guide on that hunt up in the Northwest Territories. Is that right? Yeah, but Canal Outfitters, you betcha. Okay, cool. Uh, how long have you been working for them? Uh, you know what? I just did the one season. Uh, my wife was up there cooking, so we thought we would just kind of – it was right after our wedding. So we bombed up there and did a season for them, and then uh, – um, but that was it. But before that, I guided all over the place, man. I, and I, I, I grew up in Northwest Territories working for the Lancasters. And then, yeah, I've just worked for tons of people now, all over the place. God, good for you. Um, where are you working at now? Uh, now we, we bought our own guiding territory. So it's, it's called Peasley Hunts. And it's conducted in kind of a central BC in Williams Lake. And that's, uh, we, we do a lot of hound dog stuff for black bear and cats. You know, cougar lynx bobcat and then we got some meat moose stuff um a little bit of mule deer but but then outside of that even is i uh kind of do some freelance stuff lease and tag so we got we're into like shires moose with archery and uh mountain goat um kind of you know, we got sheep tags bighorn tags we kind of whatever we can get our hands on oh crazy um yeah you've built quite a business then congratulations on the on the property, I know that's tough to transition from a guide to an outfitter. So, yeah, congratulations on the territory. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, how cool. Goats and then um, sheep. Um, so you've got some tags for those as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah okay. Got, yeah. It's a great week. Some openings for this year, too, still left. So try to get those sold up before fall, and I'll be a happy band. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we'll we'll mention it on the podcast. I think we'll just kind of get rolling. I love like authenticity and these natural conversations. And it seems like always these introductions, like these first 10 or 15 minutes, we have like a good engaging conversation and then we have to start again. So I think I'll just keep this things rolling just because it's great information about your outfitting territory, a couple open spots. Well, that opens the door for a ton of adventure for you. Yeah, you know what? It totally does. Um, and everything's in BC as well, right? So I don't got to go changing provinces or into the states or changing countries. And yeah. And actually, that being said, I, I do deal a lot with, uh, like, I'm, I sell uh, Ibex hunts in Kyrgyzstan and then even desert hunts for Sonora and stuff. So man, we're into. we're into a whole bunch of stuff. Man, I'd say, yeah, good for you. You say so you get to uh, uh, get to the Sonora and soak in some sunshine, huh? Yeah, well, uh, to be truthful, I haven't actually got that far yet. I've sent a few guys down with some friends of mine down there, but uh, the hope in the next trip that I get to go, I'm due for a coos deer, they tell me, so because I've, I've sent them enough hunters. <laughs> oh, good for you. Man, those coos deer are an absolute riot. I, I've i been down like the last four or five years hunting those things down in the yep. – like in Arizona, they'll give you an over-the-counter archery tag to hunt nearly the entire state. Really? And, um, man, it's become one of the funnest hunts I do. I leave Montana here and it's like 20 below here and I go down there in the sunshine where it's, you know, 60, 70 degrees down there and then just immerse myself in that desert habitat and those coups are really switched on and tough to arrow, but you know, a lot of the fun is in the challenge or in do doing something that's difficult, but man, it's a ride down there. You'd really like it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. I actually was just down in Sonora at the Scottsdale uh, International Sportsman Expo, and one of the guys that I was, we're kind of trying to work something out in the future here just to kind of seal up a consumer market, <clears throat> but uh, he sells a bunch of them too, and I was, he was egging me to get down there. One day, it's all coming. I just got to get a house built and pay a guiding territory off and get my daughter old enough to go to the house. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're getting there slowly but surely. You're going in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> I know. There isn't enough time in the world to do everything, is there? And you really got to enjoy what's right around you. That's what's so cool about like your your, your outfitting business being in BC. It'd be such a, a pain to change provinces and try to learn a different area where at least it's close and around you, you know, where you can travel and get there and scout and hunt and things. Yeah, I mean, totally. So, like, our Williams Lake area, my brother lives inside the Guidon Territory. They have a 160-acre little ranch uh, and a house and stuff. So, we, we use, actually, their place for our wintertime stuff um, just because, you know, it's well winter. You got showers and warm bed and warm meal and a warm house to come back to. So And it's right in the Guidon Territory, so that works out awesome. And then for the springtime stuff and all the rest of it, he's there to scout it out. Like he's there right now. They're already chasing black bears with the hound dogs. They're already running them. Oh, you're kidding. They're already coming out, huh? Already out, and they're got her rolling, yep. So I wish I actually lived there, but I don't. I live in the in that Jaffrey, B.C. country, right? I just moved to Cranbrook is where we're living now, actually. But um, that's where that's why I got like that Shiver's Moose, that archery Shiver's Moose deal over here. And the mountain goats, you know, it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive away, and the bighorn's about an hour drive away. So it's all we're, – we're pretty spread out. We cover a big chunk of B.C. between the two of us, you know, and being brothers, it make, makes it nice. Yeah, that is nice. Um, that that Shiras archery tag, that'll be a fun one, huh? You know what? It's a gas. It, it totally is. Um, and even for guys that aren't totally, you know, um, crazy about archery hunting, 
Uh, crossbow's legal in BC. Okay. So the, 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 actually the, the last guy that I had, he came two years in a row. Man, he had so much fun. Ken Stafford was his name. He had so much fun. He came twice, and uh, we bagged two like beauty bulls with a crossbow. So, man, was... how cool! How big did those Shires get up there? Oh, dude, they're big. Uh, the first one was scored one sixty three. It was forty six inches wide, so it had just massive paddles and like ten or eleven points a side. Um, and the the one just last year was fifty two inches wide, uh, a little narrower paddle, but again like. 8 to 11 points a side, double brows out the bottom, like big Shires bull. This scored 167. Man, so, yeah, you guys do have some big ones. Yeah, yeah, they got it on a limited entry system up here, so and in this particular place where hunting, they only give out, like, I think it's seven or eight tags, and it's a pretty gigantic area, like well over 1,000 square miles kind of thing. Yeah, it's tough to get a Shires tag. I've been putting in my entire life here in Montana. We got some good hunting in areas, um, I, I actually went, I got pretty aggressive with my applications this year, put in for an area that's got pretty good odds. So I'm, I'm hoping I can draw it, but our Shiras sure took a, a hit from the, the introduction of the wolves in Yellowstone here. I don't, I don't think our moose were used to escaping, uh, wolves and with the deep snow, those moose would just get in that deep snow and those wolves could run up on top and man, they just put a hurting on our moose. And and since we've been able to hunt wolves here and kind of um, control their populations a little bit better, it's gotten yeah. better, and I've been seeing more. So I think they're recovering, uh, but they sure took a big hit, like in 2008 or so. Yeah, that was pretty sad when they did that, man. And, and, and you know, something that's an issue we're kind of running into here. We've got a lot of anti-hunting organizations and the Wildlife Defense League and all these different groups, and they're trying to put a hurting on our uh, – ability to manage predators like they're going after our cougar lynx and bobcat right now um they've already shut the grizzly bear hunting down you know just through working their puppetry into the into the government and now they're they, they'd like to go after it all and the unfortunate thing is what what they don't understand is they're not they're not just gonna go after this this one thing and that's it right <clears throat> they're gonna they want to go after the whole hunting thing in general but what they don't understand as anti-hunters is that if you take away the ability to manage your predators, that's that's destruction for everything. That's ungulates do not stand a chance. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, gosh, I totally forgot about that. So yeah, you guys had the grizzly bear law passed where you they changed all the regulations on you where you can't keep the hide, can't keep the meat, and a bunch of different things. Man, that is just horrible. They passed that, and then I just saw that the other day. Like you say, they're going after um, use of dogs and uh, what'd you say, lynx, bobcat, and cougar. Yeah, 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 you betcha. Man, that is horrible. Like, where's the biology and the science? I mean, you you can look at places where they have shut that down. And like uh, the United States, they manage each state differently. But you look at California where they've shut down all mountain lion hunts, and the state has to actually go in and hire a government trapper, pay way more money to kill these yeah. cougars, and nothing is used you know, from them. And they're, they're getting in these developments and these subdivisions and killing people's dogs and cats, and, and then they start to attack hikers. Like it, It's just a bad road to go down. I can't believe they're trying to get that passed. Do you think it's like um, a lot of people – that don't have to deal with grizzly bears or don't deal with dogs, like a lot of people that live in those cities are voting for us. Um, you know, some of them are voting for us, but I, I, the majority don't. 
Well, that's what I mean is um, – uh, I'm sorry. I said that backwards. But yeah, the ones in the cities are the ones voting against all these or, or bringing in all these initiatives and, and voting against the people that actually live out there and make their living from the, from, the, from the wildlife populations. And there lies the issue. Why is science being voted on from you know on an ignorant level? Why are – the, the less informed have the ability to control scientific-based decisions. That, that's like me having a vote in NASA. Wow, I, 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 this much fuel. This user. <laughs> well, 40, 50 gallons, that'll get you to the moon. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's so crazy. That's a great analogy, Logan. Yeah. I mean, come on. There's a reason that, we, you know, the, the, the damage that they will do to the ecosystem far surpasses what we could even dream of doing as hunters. And, and as hunters, if anything, we, we just keep the balance. It doesn't get worse. It doesn't get better. But we maintain a balance. But, I mean, if you let them get away with this, you know, I don't know. I mean, more as an outfitter even, um, I'd be more concerned about just the balance of our ecosystem over my livelihood or my business or whatever. I mean, Absolutely. there's a bit of been other industries in this world that have collapsed and people had to rebound back from and find, you know, whatever it took to, to, you know, live. But it's our ecosystem. That's pretty important. Dude, the most important. You're so right. It's just like they're they're messing with the ecosystem and don't know what the repercussions are going to be. But they're not going to be able to go out and see any animals, much less see a grizzly bear. All the grizzly bears are going to die off because they have no food. You're not going to be able to see the ungulates. You're not going to you're going to destroy the 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 landscape, or not destroy the landscape, but the the ecosystem, like you say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the the, the uh, devastating effects are. I don't even like talking about it. No, man, it's a, it, it sure is a bummer. What can we as hunters do to help out um, guys in BC and like to help our hunting community? You know what? Talk to your organizations. I mean, you know, got to get groups like SCI involved, uh, you know, Wild Sheep Foundations. Um, I mean, think about that. We If we get an out-of-control predator spree going on up here, a lot of our sheep were transplanted in different portions throughout the states, right, to help their populations out. We're at a time right now where we could use the help. Um, we need some bigger voices. Like there, there's people funding this like wildlife defense league, like Amazon and Patagonia and some pretty big companies. That's you know money talks, unfortunately. And if a guy could get organizations funding our organizations up here to fight this, that's the that's the main thing, man. Um, and support numbers. You know, this, you look on Facebook, squeaky wheel gets the grease today. Look at that poor guy in Africa shooting that bloody lion, like how much they just destroyed his life, like, and over nothing. If there was a big enough squawk against this Wildlife Defense League and, and those organizations, you know, I, I wish we could just bring the science into it and prove to the, to the, um, the neutral people that don't really get it how important it is you know, we would we would stand a way better chance. But money and, and education, man, that's that's what's going to solve it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, sticking together, um, yeah, you definitely need money to fight money. Um, yeah, and, and just um, 
gosh, uh, uh, sticking up for the cause too. Like if there's any initiatives that we can ever sign or anything that we could send to like, um, you know, we have congressmen or representatives of the house and that's how kind of how we do things here in the States. But, you know, they bring, bring up a funky bill here and, and, uh, instantly you see the support of hunters jump on. So yeah, God, if we could just do that in BC, to help the cause up there, because you're right, they're going to continue to move the goal line until they shut it all down, until they ruin everything. Well, I mean, you can you can see the devastating facts from it. Like if they shut predator hunting down and, and may leave the ungulates open, and now you've got a flourishing predator population plus a human hunt. You know, we're hunting them. Uh, then you got your trains, your cars, and all your other you know uh, methods of mortality. <laughs> to what point? At what point is there just going to be no ungulates left, and you got to shut it down? It's that simple. Man, you know? We, you know we get some of that same stuff here in the states, but like um like our grizzly bears are ridiculous, and they were on the endangered species list for years. But um you know the these companies and corporations put a lot of money behind keeping them on the endangered list because when they're on the endangered list, they're managed by the feds. But it it's so. It's so backwards. Like our state, we hire these biologists and we pay them from our taxpayer dollars and we pay them to manage our ungulates, our predators. And so, you know, now they have total control over the, the, the wolves, moose, sheep, goat, deer, elk. They get to manage our whole ecosystem, but grizzly bears are off limits. You know, they just get to be out there and the, the human grizzly bear conflict is ridiculous now in like Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. I mean, every year there's there's multiple people attacked and, and killed. And even in my home valley here, you know, I got to worry about taking my wife and my kids on a camping trip to the woods, you know, because there's just so many of them. Uh, you know, they don't have any fear of humans and there's no control of the population. And furthermore, you know, they're devastating, you know, our elk populations by eating the calves in the spring unchecked. Um, you know, so they're they're really hurting uh, uh, populations around and it and managed by the feds. And it's just like you say, it's just money. We just need to. So right now we're in the process of getting it transitioned into state management so the state can manage them like they manage everything else. Yeah. Which by, by that you're, you're meaning being able to open up, giving out some tags. Yep. And actually properly manage these predators. Yeah, by biologists that study it and study the numbers and they can, you know, they can look at them and see what's a sustainable harvest for them where the, the species can really thrive and not overpopulate where then they eat all their food and then starve to death or, you know, human bear conflict or, or just to keep a, a healthy ecosystem all the way around, a, a healthy elk and, and moose fawns and the whole deal. And I'm sure you guys are going to deal with the repercussions of shutting that grizzly bear hunting down in B.C. for the next you know, 10, 20, 30 years. You know what? And, and a good point. I don't know the actual numbers on it. I wish I did right now, but I would, I would like to see how many problem bears are, are, you know, euthanized here in the, in the province of British Columbia versus how many we used to harvest legally. Same as Montana. What's, what, what are the, 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 your conservation officers, how many are they putting down in a year through this human conflict that you're talking about versus if they were to give out, you know, 10 tags and put a little respect into these bears and, uh, and, and thin some numbers. Yeah. Well, and then they, they generate they, revenue they, from it. And then that revenue can go into, to managing the bears and their, their habitat. It only makes sense. Yeah. Oh, totally. That, that money then goes back into elk habitat, which is bear food. Which is, you know, there's 
I just can't when people don't see how the, how the good and it works. But you know what? It's part of that education thing, man. The more we can push it, just the better we would be. Right? Common sense isn't common. <laughs> it's not common, no. No. Well, and um, well, yeah, and uh, too. Oh gosh, I I had a good point I was gonna make. I I uh, I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, they um, yeah, they just have to be managed like like everything else. So. Um, it, it just makes for the, the healthiest ecosystem. And like you say, um, uh, oh, through education, you're right. Like through educating people and bringing awareness to it. Like I just heard about like trying to shut down the, the cougar bobcat links the other day. And I saw a link on somebody's Instagram where I could go sign a petition on there and went and signed it. It was, uh, oh, uh, uh, Nick, uh, uh, a guy from, I think, uh, BC up there, but, you know, just bringing awareness to it. And then as hunters too, portraying us in the right light as well. Like, because a lot of these people that are voting are non hunters, you know? And so if we can represent ourselves well, and it's getting more popular, there's, there's good personalities out there and, and representing it as, you know, providing, uh, food for your family and meat for your family that, it's clean and organic and and you know doesn't have any additives to it so like if we can just keep representing it in the right light through social media i think that all helps in the perception of hunting as well totally totally the uh our image definitely is uh is misunderstood you know and when the sad thing is you get one bad apple right and it makes the whole tree look bad um there and you, you do see it on, on social media once in a while. I'd be scanning through there, and I've seen the odd picture, and I just thought, come on, guys. So there's another education factor, you know. People are going to be posting stuff on social media. Do a good, clean, professional job, you know. You know nobody wants to hire a, a scrubby, rubby-dub-looking freak, right? Like, clean, clean it up. Make it nice. Make it presentable. Yeah, you're not just representing yourself. You're representing all of us. Our community, exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, um. Well, dude, that really hurts with uh, not being able to run predators because it sounds like a big part of your business is dogs. Uh, those those dogs, they make for an adventure, don't they, when you let those dogs loose? I'm here to tell you that if, if it was uh, allowed, I would hunt just put anything with dogs. <laughs> it's the funnest thing I think you could ever do. Um, it, it's the fun factor, but it's not easy. Like we don't just take these dogs and bloop and things are just caught, right? It's you got to work and you actually got to know your dog. You can't just go take someone's dog. And if I were to lend my dogs to just anybody, uh, their success rate would not even touch what, what ours is. We, we know what that dog's saying. We know his bark. We know his strengths and his weaknesses, uh, you know, combined with our own. You become a partner with, with these animals, right? And that together is what makes it awesome. So it, the hunt is definitely – uh, super fun for the houndsman, without a doubt. But for the for the non houndsman, I mean, when you you go with the guy that comes with us, um, and right away that chase is conducted. I mean, it depends what species you're hunting. But like the, the, the cats, for example, um, the the involvement in it's crazy. So for a tom cougar, we we're looking for the right size track, and we know what they look like. Uh, you know, lynx and bobcat are a little bit different, but we're looking for. Once you get on a, on a track with that dog, the involvement that you got with them in that hunt, it's not like, oh, let it go, oh, goes, there's a tree, done, da, 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 that was easy. And we're talking hours and hours and hours of uh, just hard, enduring work that like you're, 
working with this animal, you know. So for for the hunter, they're like they're jacked about it, man. They're into it and they're asking you questions. Well, what's this track? How can you tell what's that doing? Well, it's a tom. Look at the size of its foot. And as you're walking the trees, you can see where it scraped under the tree, and then you can tell. Oh, it sounds like they got it jumped by the sound of the dogs, and it, it's busy. It's a lot of fun, man. Wow, they um they used to call the snow uh, reading story, and you houndsmen are so good at reading the snow and the track and the size. Um, it just comes from years of experience, like anything, you know, the more you do and the more you pay attention, the better you get. Um, but I bet that's fun. And like you say, hours of grueling work, like you let those dogs go. You don't know what you're in for. You could be in for an all night through deep snow or, you know, maybe he trees him quick. Maybe he gets confused and chases another cat. Like you just, it's different every time. And anytime you turn them loose, you're signing up for an adventure. Oh, it is without a doubt. And I mean, uh, th- that's on the cougar end of things. Now the lynx, that's entirely different. Again, it's like hunting two different animals. You know, you find the track it's the same way, but once that track's found, I mean, you can get some lynx that you know, okay, popped up in in an hour. Um, but then this other, we've had some go all day, and then we've had some you don't catch them. And you you'll get a visual of that bloody thing six seven times throughout the day. They're just trotting around, toying with you, just playing with you. And that they'll confuse them dogs in a figure eight circle, and you know the, I've actually seen where lynx have, have killed rabbits while you're chasing them and had a snack, and then they continue to just keep it. Lo- <laughs> just you know, talk about frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> pull your hair out. But I mean, you just keep persistency pays off, and and you, and you get the job done. But uh, it's fun. Man, that's like all hunting, isn't it? Persistence is deadly. Like uh, uh, the best attribute you can have is to keep after it because, like, um, you know, I'm not the best shot. I'm not the best hunter, but I am persistent. I just keep I just keep going, keep putting myself out there, keep trying to create an opportunity. And, and it seems to just pay off more times than not. And it's it's the way it is in a lot in life, but definitely in hunting, like dogs or bow hunting or rifling, whatever it is, persistence is deadly. Oh man, it's uh, you got to have a relentless attitude, or you're not going to be that successful, <laughs> right? Um, well, yeah, you've had quite the opportunity to hunt around Northwest Territories, working for these different guides, and now having your own outfitter business. Um, it, it's you got to be looking forward to the fall and some of the adventures you're going to go on with guys like the goat and the sheep. Those have to be some fun hunts for you. Oh man, I look forward to all of it. That, that's one thing, you know, as a guide, you get asked quite a bit. What's your favorite animal to hunt? And I don't yet have an answer. Good for you. I haven't got it. I just like getting out there, man. Uh, everything's just so different. Like them mountain goats, you're looking at some steep, rugged terrain, and, and it's a lot of glassing, and you're hiking, and it's it's maybe not as fast action as like a, a hound dog hunt, for example, but um, you're just out there in the elements, um, just you and nature, and looking for a bunch of goats, man. Uh, getting into way higher country. Um, you can get in a lot of trouble too if you're not careful, right? So you got to pay attention, and, and and you're getting out there backpacking and living off freeze-dried meals and and staying out in a little thin-walled, you know, Hillyburg or a Kuyu tent or something. It, it's fun. It's just a whole different aspect to it. That backpacking, the backcountry, and especially in that alpine environment, it seems like like the purest form of hunting you can do. You know, it, it is you and nature. It's it's you versus nature. So you want to call that pure, I'll agree with it. 
<laughs> yeah, well, and hunting those goats, I've had the opportunity to hunt goats one time, but I, I love, like, like hunting the alpine. But I, I'm like you, like, hunting each different species in each different habitat um, it is special in its own right, and it takes this, this own set of skills to be able to be successful or to be able to create an opportunity. Um, but that, that alpine and those goats, um, they're, they're on a class of their own, like when you're trying to live up in those high mountains and those goats can be frustrating. Like I drew a tag. I had the opportunity one time to hunt them here. And then my dad drew a tag. So I had the opportunity to go hunt with him the, the following year he drew a tag. And remember I hunted mine with my bow, but gosh, those billies, they just like the steepest, gnarliest rock faces, and, and they can just play on those things. Before I hunted a goat, I said, I can walk anywhere a goat can walk. I yeah, cannot. Right. I know now that I am completely wrong. I am yeah. out of my mind. Like, you can't get to where they're at. I Yeah, I've seen them go up through just some dirt stuff that, you know, you might see one of those guys in those uh, squirrel suits go, maybe. That's about it. Not not me. <laughs> but uh, no, you're right. Those bellies will hit. There, there's that uh, patience and persistence thing, though. If you find one, sit on him, wait it out. He will come out. That's that's what I ended up doing. So I'd find him on the biggest rock faces, and it'd be a thousand feet of vertical rock, and there was no way that I could make any play. But but like you say, if you're patient, they seem to come out or feed on on a grass slope or move around enough to where they give you an opportunity. Oh yeah, they're they're animals, man. They're just doing their thing up there and. If they see you, this game over. <laughs> They're gone. But uh, if they don't know you're there and you're watching far enough away and you just be patient about it, they're, they're creating an opportunity. Man. Yeah, so I leave um, on Friday to go to New Zealand to hunt uh, Himalayan tar and chamois up high in the southern Alps there. Man, I'm so excited. Oh, good for you, buddy. That would be an awesome trip. Yeah, self-guided first trip over there. I have a couple buddies that have hunted it before. So, yeah, I'm just along for the ride. I'm just along to take some pictures and um, take it all in and go see what it has to offer. But, yeah, it'll be a ride. Like I say, I love that high country. Here in the States, we don't get much of a chance to hunt sheep or goats. Um, but the high country mule deer, it it's the fit for us or it it fills, you know, the, the gap or the void because those things will live where sheep and goats do up in the that alpine environment and you get to chase them up there. So, yeah, I love doing that every year. That's awesome. So is, is mule deer down there for you guys, uh, uh, is it general open season or is it still draw? Yeah, so it depends on the state, and most places are draw, but we have enough of them to where you can end up with a, a tag or two, a pretty good tag or two for up in the high country every year. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it's way cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love covering that kind of country, and so that's what you did when you went with Guy and Ike. Um, didn't Guy, he shot a sheep on that hunt, right? He got a sheep, yeah, and the cool thing about that is he got his ram, you know, <sighs> It was within like a mile or a half mile of where his grandfather would have got his ram on the like same mountain. It was it was crazy how it all went down. We spotted it from the cabin that his grandpa helped build back in the 70s, and then did you know probably somewhat the same hike. You know I don't know exactly, but in the same direction, same mountain. We did our long stock, got up there, and it was a full day affair, and it was pretty emotional. You could see it in, in those guys' face. You know, they were – it was a big deal for them. That was, you know, some, an historical taking a step back in time, walking in your grandfather's footsteps, uh, especially with the hunting legacy. Like, there's – you know, like, it, it was pretty neat. It was cool to be a part of. 
It's really cool. Yeah, his, his dad, they just cut him loose back in the day. They wanted to see if it was even huntable up there, if there even had populations. But he was one of the, the first guys. They just cut loose up there and said, go with your buddy, shoot whatever you want, go for the whole summer. Did did they tell you any parts of that story? Isn't that wild? Oh, yeah. They told me some of it. I was uh... – they, they would talk a little bit here and there. And then I, I watched the, the video, right? I watched that video from years ago. Uh, that's made up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a cool video. The I guess the true story is is that um, uh, the old man could shoot, but the two buddies he brought up, they couldn't hit anything. You know? and so <laughs> they missed all those rams. Like I can't remember how many times they missed, but it was like 10 or 11 shots or something. Yeah. Well, making a shot in the field, it's easier said than done. I mean, it's easy me and you sitting in our comfortable house right now to say, oh, yeah, I'll make I'll make any shot they give me. But to, to sit down, and I'm sure being a guide and now being an outfitter, that's got to be one of your biggest issues because even getting a guy in range, it's just not 100%. Buck fever is real. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh... – you know, there is some modern technology in some cases that guys are, are getting into now that definitely can make it a little easier at times. Um, but no, you got to get these guys. Like, let's face it, when selling these hunts, the majority of the people that can afford to go on these trips are, you know, retired or knocking on the doorstep of. So you got to get someone up the mountain that's 55, 65 years old up in that terrain. You got your work cut out for you, man. Man, I'd say you got to earn every dollar. That's that's tough, and I bet you really have to monitor, you know, not only their physical abilities but also mental capabilities too of getting down or getting depressed. You probably got to be part motivator too. You got to be Doctor Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you got to fill him through a lot of stuff sometimes. <laughs> that's that's so funny. Logan, I'm prepared to die. I'm 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 okay with it. Just let me know if I'm going to. That's hilarious. Uh, it's just the truth of it. Like um, the like backcountry hunting. It's tough and it's grueling and it's going to test you mentally and physically. And I'm sure on those mountain hunts like that, and then like you say, you get some age on you too, and um. Man, they're in for a tough go, and then you know they've been working for this chance for their whole lifetime, and then to finally lay down on the sheep they really want, and and like you say, technology definitely helps, but even at long distance, there's just so many variables there, you know that, you know the elevation, the the what are, what are they? I'm more of a bow guy than a rifle guy, but the the spinning of the earth, the azimuth of the earth, like the the elevation, the the temperature, the the and then the wind just plays such a role. And you know what the wind's doing, maybe right where you're at, but you don't know what it's doing from you to the animal a lot of times. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so like I say, it's you versus nature out there. That's part of the pristineness of it. It's uh, yeah, go out there and create some luck. Make make it yours. Yeah. Get after it. <laughs> There's all kinds of different elements. It's uh, just got to get it done. Right, that's the truth. Um, so you guys got some pretty good um, caribou in your unit in BC. I mean, in your no, your hunting no, district. No, not where I'm hunting at. Okay. But uh, you know, where where like Ike shot his up there on that hunt as well. Um, guy shot the that doll sheep, and then Ike ended up getting that nice bull caribou up there. But uh, I've guided for a pile of caribou all over the place, you know, with the Lancasters and um, 
Lop and Canal there. and Yeah, so we don't actually do any, but we know where to go. We send guys to the right places. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fun to hunt. I like hunting them up there in Alaska I have for the last couple seasons. Yep. Made my way up there and hung out with a buddy up there and go chase them with a bow and arrow. They're a riot. But um, so so you guys said you you do have some mule deer in your unit, right? Yeah, we do got some mule deer going on in there. Um, there's some big bucks actually. It's it's pretty timbered country, so we're hunting heavy timber stuff. But there's actually some pretty decent deer in there. Boy, um, I bet BC has the genetics. I think of like a big old coke can mass, like heavy dark horn mule deer that live up there. Am I right? We do got some good genetics. Uh, it's it's one of them species, unfortunately. Um, due to predation and, and a little bit mismanaged, actually. I wish it was was on, uh, you know, draw, and they did some things differently because is there big deer and the potential for it? Yes. I mean, you look at the record books from years ago, and there was a pile of record book mule deer come out of British Columbia. Uh, less and less just because of mismanagement, though. It is in trouble. So we, we actually don't even uh, – there is pockets where we do still sell mule deer hunts, you know, 150, 170 class bucks when the rut hits. That's when the 180s and 190s start showing up. Um, but it's it's not like it once was. There's no question. Okay. And yeah. then, um, so you guys, um, do you have elk in your unit? Uh, no, not over there in Williams Lake. Um, we don't do any of the elk stuff. Uh, just we we do. A, it's an any bull hunt for moose is what we have over in our guiding territory. Uh, we 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 sell. To uh, our most of our customers come from that northwestern Pacific portion of, of the states. Okay. Uh, you know Montana over to Oregon and, and Washington and all that. Um, we, actually, we actually go to the Portland show, and we sold out for for last fall and this fall all at one show. We sold 16 moose tags and like five black bear hunts all at one one show. So it was awesome. Oh, um, good for you guys. Yeah, we got three left for 2020. Um, and that we do two on ones. That seems to be pretty popular. And it's it's guys coming up filling the freezer. It's it's uh, you know, it they got they've they've made the word term trophy hunting now a, a bad word to say. But th- this is a total freezer filler hunt. Guys are coming up. You know, if they, they can harvest whatever bull they want, getting out in the bush. We, we mostly retired guys come up and just have fun and hang out and you know go home with a, a freezer full of meat for the winter. Man, how cool! And then um, your your black bears. BC has some bears. Man, you guys got some giant pumpkin heads out there. Do they let you guys hunt them in the springtime? Do you run guided hunts in the spring? Yes, we do, man. I we do hound dog conducted hunts on the black bears, and it is without a doubt a gas. It's I'm telling you, that it, it, it's. <laughs> I look forward to it like a little kid looks forward to Christmas. Um, th- that that's a high intensity, fast paced action hunt. And, and we do get some big bears, massive bears. Uh, the, the biggest bear that we got last year was seven foot eight. Oh. Yeah, right. With a, with a twenty one and fourteen sixteen head on it. This thing was giant. Man. Oh my gosh! That's... I have never seen anything like it. And I've hunted black bears my whole life. It was. It looked prehistoric. All right. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. That is an absolute giant. That's as big as they get. I love hunting black bears. I hunt them here in the spring in Montana, and then a little bit in the fall. Um, but yeah, a big bear for where we're at. Like I'm always trying to break the 20 inch skull mark, and I've got like three in the 19s, you know. And they're good bears for around here. And we also have a lot of color phase. Uh, yeah. But that bear, seven foot eight, 21, and then how many 16ths did you say? 14. 16 so it was almost 22 like it was, oh. 
Just a prehistoric looking monster. Now that being said, I would never sell a hunt based on that. Like we maybe we did get the biggest bear out there. I don't. <laughs> but uh, th- th- there's a lot of big bears. I mean, I'd, I'd still never sell a guy a seven foot. You know, come with us and get a seven foot bear. But we do sell. This is where you go to get the opportunity. Like we we got uh, six bears last spring over seven foot, seven two, seven four. That's seven eight. Um, and then the amount of bears that we got in that. You know, I mean, those seven-foot bears, they're all over 400 pounds. That 7.8 was a 500-pound-plus bear, right? You, you could not move it. There were seven grown men that we could not <laughs> there, and the, the, But our average, just our average was like probably 6, 9, or 10. Huge bears. We only got two that made book. I mean, only. That's pretty friggin' impressive in my eyes. But uh, the, the the size of those bears, but you want to talk about like, like 19 and, and, you know, Seven sixteens, eleven sixteens, all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, we got a pile of them bears. They're they're just big, and so the numbers. You've never seen anything like it. There are so many bears up there. I, I'd take caution going out and picking berries. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, how cool, man! Those are some giant bears. Yeah, like oh. uh, they get over six foot. That's a big bear. But in, in that realm of what you're talking is a once in a lifetime bear man that is so cool and 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 a big population of them too that has to be a riot of a hunt for those guys and for you you know what man especially throw that hound dog factor in there and again it's not a gimme you've got to work hard in fact you know hunting with these dogs your involvement in the actual hunt is is so much more than what's you know it's it's understood by people it's when we get a strike we don't just dump the dogs and chase everything you know we, we get out uh you, you walk around the truck and we're looking for a big bear sign give me a big foot you know you can tell in the springtime the size of the bear by the size of their other crap if you get a great big you know coke can sized turd it's a big boar those bears those big boars will go rub on trees and 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 they they bite them you know so you can kind of tell how tall they are where their teeth are hitting so if you find something that's beat up like that okay it's a, there's a big boar here then you start working it then you'll start kicking your dogs and doing that. But there's honestly, the most places that I've hunted bears with, with the dogs, you know, to, to find something like that, you might not, you go days without running your dogs. Over there, we're chasing a big bear every single day. It was every day, all spring, from May the 2nd right through till June 30th. We run every single day and we chase giant bears. Man, that sounds like a riot. Do they, um, do you get any color phase up there or are they all jet black? No, where we're at, we got about a 30% color phase. So, uh, what did we take? About 20 bears last year, 21 bears and five or six or something like that were, were, uh, you know, kind of chocolate brown, but there's blondes and everything in there. But, uh, 30%, I tell people. Oh, how cool. Um, what a great opportunity and what a great hunt for the springtime to go hang out and then go chase those things around. You know what, man? You're getting up, uh, you know, fairly early in the morning. Most guys, when they go hunt bears, they, you know, if you're going to go out spot and stalk, you, you kind of sleep in and you, you wake up at seven and you go out by eight, nine o'clock, whatever, and you, you nap in the, in the afternoon. But when you're with the hound dogs, we're up early, we're out there, you want to beat the heat. So you almost wake up on the edge of dark, um, load the dogs up, have a little breakfast, get out there, and you start getting strikes right away, man. We haven't met, we've never made the end of the driveway at our camp without striking bears. Might not run, you look for that sign, right? But you get out there and uh, by the time you get something rolling, it's we, we we catch bears every morning and night, every single morning and night. Come back in the in the midday to have a nap, 
Usually the guys watch me and Charlie skin out another bear. <laughs> that seems to be routine. That's my brother. We're in on it together, right? But no, typical day, wake up, go out, catch a bear, um, come back, skin a bear out at camp. Hunters sit around the fire and tell stories and have naps. Then we go out again in the evening and come. It's the same thing every day, every day. Man, it sounds like action. It's a dream come true. It's honestly something I, I've always wanted. And, and last spring was our first spring doing it. And, and our, the first hunter we had there, um, it, we just had one guy off the start. And we got the first day of the season, we got his bear. And it was six foot 11. And then third day of a five-day hunt, we got a, another bear. And one, one climbed a tree. So a lot of them will just climb trees. Um, and that's a lot more contained, a little slower. Everybody breathe. Okay, here we go. But some of them bears, uh, they don't want to climb. They all, they'll push it. They just get stubborn and they'll just keep, they'll stay on the ground and your dog, just you working with your dogs, you know, and you, you listen to your dogs, you know what they're saying, you know, by the, by what, by their bark, right? Okay. Oh, they're looking at that bear. It's a lot of pressure and you, then you, you got to play, you don't just go running in there on, on these bay ups. That's what they're called, right? When you get these dogs, got the bear on the ground, you don't just go running in there. You got to play your wind right. Like you're hunting them still. They'll just keep running. And then at some point they'll wear your dogs up. Like you, you lose a lot. You don't catch everyone. You lose a lot. Man, that's crazy. So I didn't realize that those big boars didn't all tree. So a lot of times they're baying up or holding their ground or fighting the dogs or taking off again. God, there's a lot to it. I, I've never got a bear for myself out of a tree. Every one of them has been on the ground. Um, it's uh, – recommended (laughs) (laughs) um i i bet it gets um pretty exciting pretty thrilling when they're on the ground um like like there's some real buck fever there too with the predator especially as big of the bears that you guys are chasing one of the funnest things you'll ever do as a human being (laughs) oh that is so cool um good yeah guys gotta look you up for that um that is so cool and we've got to fight for your right to be able to continue to use dogs keep our awareness out there of what's going on with you guys and and your rules and not let them pass another law under our nose like that grizzly bear law i know i know yeah well hey if any if any information comes up um make sure to let me know and i'll post about it and let our audience know you know if there's any vote anything that we can do as sportsmen's to to help support you guys up there um just let me know you know what man i appreciate that, that that's awesome and then that's I, i'll actually take you up on that because that's one of the things that i think we got to do is is like like we were talking about before is we've got to come together and every hunter does every single person that considers themselves a hunter out there or an outdoorsman has to come together on this because this wildlife defense league and, and organizations like that, they're not like they're putting their attention on BC right now, but it, it was once already in Oregon. It was once already like it's worldwide. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's something that, you know, hunters in general, and they, well, a problem that we got in BC is like we got our BC Wildlife Federation and our guides outfit organizations and rod and gun clubs, and there's a lot of headbutting going on all the time. And it's like, boys, let's find a resolve here because there is a bigger battle going on. And that's how that grizzly thing got us. There was too much conflict with, within, you know, our, our own community. Gosh, I see that too. Um, like you say, we all have to find the common ground and support each other. And even if, you know, dogs isn't my deal, like I have to, we have to come together and support the guys where it is their deal. It is their enjoyment or their passion because they're coming for us next. And if we don't stick together, they're going to, they're going to be able to, to separate us and pick us apart and pick us off. 
what happens, man. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. And then that's when, that's when people get slippery and, and stupid mistakes happen, like guys posting bad stuff on social media, you know, hunters trying to bash each other. It doesn't help. It does not help. No, we got to stick together. Well, um, Logan, it's been really fun getting to meet you and getting to know you. Uh, maybe I'll check in with you like uh, after your spring season, and you'll have some good stories for me running these bears. Buddy, I'll fill you up. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, man, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy with that house and things, but I, I really enjoyed the conversation and getting to meet you. I'll uh, pass on all my information to you, and let's keep in touch. Hey, man, I appreciate it too, Brian. It's uh, Thanks for the opportunity, and, yeah, hope this gets out there and hits home on some people. I definitely will. So thanks again. We'll talk soon. All right, dude. Appreciate it. All right. That's the episode. Uh, thanks again to Logan Peasley for being on the podcast. Just a great, authentic hunting conversation. Um, this podcast is so fun to be able to sit down with guys in this long-form communication and, and and just dive into their world of hunting and things that they enjoy and, and the excitement of it. Uh, it's just it's such a fun platform. I really enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, it was just a, a, a great episode with Logan. Uh, make sure to check him out. Uh, uh, Peasley Hunts is his outfitting business. And, um, yeah, just a great human being, great guy. Um, I want to thank Sig Sauer for sponsoring the podcast. Again, um, you know, I'm really impressed by their binoculars. I love their rangefinders. And this new rangefinding binocular, uh, man, are these things cool. So I've been using them um, bear hunting out a bit. It's been pretty good. I think it's going to be a good year. Um, I've just been hunting the early spots where the the bears come out. They're just coming out of their dens and kind of wandering around the grass. So real rocky, rough, uh, steep terrain. Um, But yeah, I've had nine sightings already. Uh, I've made two stocks. One stock went really well. I was close. Um, My buddy Dan watched for me. said we were in the same scope. I never saw the bear once I got close. I think maybe some of my wind drifted down to him, or maybe he just moved off, um, you know, before I got to the spot. But close on him, I spotted him again, went for him again, went all the way down the mountain, got ready to cross the river. It's this huge raging river down at the bottom of this canyon, and uh, went to blow up my raft. I could not get that thing blown up, and I was just struggling. I had sweat coming down my face, and I was just going for it, trying to get this thing blown up so I could kill this berry. It's just in the perfect spot, and I found a rip in my little my little rubber raft so i'm gonna have to make a step up to like some sort of pack raft they make some really light ones out there um this little pool raft isn't cutting it um god i'm gonna die crossing this river it's a it was a raging river the first time i crossed it too we got spring runoff and uh it was bigger than it looked um from up above you know up above it's like oh it doesn't look too bad in this con spot i got out there in the water and i had to drift down about a mile before i made a stock on this bear and um it was going for it i pulled my raft out in two places and walked it around the rapids but even the stuff i went through was about uh max for this little one person pool raft so yeah i'm gonna have to make a step up so i don't drown in that damn river but uh yeah it's been uh really fun hunting a bunch of sightings um so yeah i just gotta keep after them here i can't wait till these bears get on the grass the grass is kind of late around here um, it's not really growing real good yet, but it's supposed to get warmer next week and be wet. And so hopefully we get some good grass growth and, and, uh, yeah, just keep after these things. I'm just going to enjoy my time in the field. And, you know, if I get a chance at a great big boar, super, if not, no big deal. I want to hunt with buddies. 
Um, yeah, I just want to enjoy the entire season and, and, um, make sure I'm taking care of all my responsibilities and, and things of that nature. But yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun season. I was so fortunate. I always talk about like enjoying what's around you and, and, and traveling like to New Zealand. It was an absolutely wild trip. I, I'm just so lucky as this, this average blue collar hunter that I can go on some sort of trip like that. But I also, I love what's around me and I love, you know, the shed hunting here in the spring and then the bear hunting and walking around with my bow. I love the spring fishing too. I haven't been doing enough fishing. I have got to get down to that river. In fact, maybe today, get my stuff done here and, and uh, we've got some jobs rolling. Um, I should be nice to sneak out for a couple hours before that evening podcast tonight. Uh, afternoon evening podcast I got to record tonight so yeah maybe I'll get out today and catch a few trout it'd be fun but yeah it's all about enjoying what's around you too you know it's the most inexpensive things we can do and whether you know you got turkeys around you mountains to hike um, you know bears or, or western game or or whitetails doe hunting shed hunting for a white tail, you know, whatever it is, it's just getting outdoors and it's getting out and enjoying yourself. It It's finding like-minded people that you can get out and laugh with and have a good time with and share in their success. And, and, um, it's just, this life is such a gift. And, and for us guys to find what we really love in life, which is bow hunting or hunting or the outdoors or whatever it is, uh, man, that's a freaking blessing. Um, everybody's searching for the, the key to life. And I think it's to, uh, try to enjoy it, uh, all along the way. So, all right, I'm rambling here. This is not a solo podcast. I'm just doing the ending for this podcast with Logan, but gosh, I just get, I get on mic and I get talking and it's just like this, this, um, any thought I have in my head just kind of comes out to you guys. So um, that's the stuff I'm just always thinking about. But, uh, yeah, great episode with Logan. Um, yeah, also make sure to check us out at Eastman's. Uh, try to catch that Nevada hunt on the Outdoor Channel. I think it's I think it's going to be the best one I've ever put out. I looked at all the footage, but I haven't seen how they put it together. So I'm going to send my video gal a message today, see if I can get a copy of it so I can watch it. And, um yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, if you're not a subscriber to Eastman's, remember you can text Elevated three one nine to two two eight two eight. Get a subscription to the the Eastman's Hunting Journal and the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, um, and also get a copy of that MRS book of all the compiled information from 2018. Um, check that out. And uh, gosh, what do we got coming up? Oh, I did a podcast with Guy the other day. Guy is just so knowledgeable. We got him fired up. I actually did it with um, Guy and uh, Aaron Snyder um, of the Kafaro cast. Uh, so, yeah, it was a great recording, the three of us, um, talking about this dang wolf deal in Colorado. They're getting it on the ballot to vote for it, to introduce wolves. They want to do like a thousand wolves in Colorado, just decimate the, the state. It's just horrible. So we all need to... Um, be informed on, on this issue and, and uh, try to um, speak up where we can and go to meetings and, and make sure this doesn't get passed. This will ruin Colorado. And, and you know, we've seen it in, in Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming, and different herds have, have fared differently depending on, you know, cattle and how deep the snow is and the terrain and things. But, I mean, it, it's just wreaked havoc on all of our game populations. And so the three of us kind of break it down and get fired up and talk about it. It's a great recording. So we'll be we'll be releasing that to you guys soon. And um, 
yeah, I think that's all I got. Um, yeah, better end this recording so I can go try to catch a brown trout and uh, get another podcast uh, recorded tonight and uh, keep this thing rolling. Uh, thanks, as always, guys, for all the support. Thanks for the support on the Instagram, the, the IG stories, the posts. Um, you guys, um, there's so much positivity there. It, it outweighs the negative. Um it really outweighs the negative, which is, which is really nice. Is just uh, we got to stick together as hunters and support each other, and um, and I just really enjoy the support on that, the support on the podcast. Um, it's just it's overwhelming at times. So thanks you guys, I really appreciate it. And with that, I will check in with you next week.